Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast, uh, hosted by typically the president of Indie Books International, Henry DeVries, but today I'm sitting in for the president. My name is Mark LeBlanc, and I uh, act as the chairman of the board. I don't know if that's more important than president or not, uh, but I have the honor of uh, hosting our show today and interviewing our guest, Dan Janelle. But Prior to that, I just want to share that at Indie Books, contrary to what some would believe, part of our mission is helping consultants and coaches and independent professionals of all stripes write the right book. And interestingly enough, while we want you to write a book that sells more books, we are more interested in writing the right book that turns into a gateway book to more consulting opportunities, more training engagements, more coaching clients, more keynote speeches, so that your book actually becomes a gateway with built-in marketing, uh, breadcrumbs and clues that get you more of the good work that you feel called and compelled to do. So uh, welcome if you're in our studio audience and for those of you that are listening uh, at a later date, um, thank you so much. As always, we're going to do a little bit of an author roll call. Uh, we'll start with David Goldman. David, will you introduce yourself and where you're from and and your your latest book? Uh, uh, we'd love to know. Thanks, Mark. Uh, appreciate it. Hi, I'm David Goldman. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, although currently I'm spending the winter in Bonita Springs, Florida, and I wrote the book The Road to Happiness how to get what you really want. Thank you, David. And Henry, what about you? Thanks, I'm Henry DeBreeze. I'm the author of Rainmaker Confidential along with Mark LeBlanc and Scott Love. And we wanted to practice what we preach. So we spent a year researching a book, interviewing over a hundred top rainmakers, the people who bring in the business at professional service firms, consulting firms, and during this uh, pandemic, I would like to call it the damn-demic, during the damn-demic, we asked them, what's your go-to strategy? What are you doing less of? What are you doing more of? What are you doing to bring in the business? And yes, they had to come up with different strategies to make it rain. Um, it wasn't corporate espionage. We didn't have to steal the secrets. They gladly shared them and gave us our permission to talk about them in uh, Forbes.com and on Zoominars and put it into book form. And it's out there right now. So it's all about how smart professionals are making their, their bets on business development, how they're betting their time, their talent, their treasure. Uh, in other words, what they spend their time, money, and energy on. Thank you very much, Henry. And my name is Mark LeBlanc. And I live in downtown uh, Minneapolis. I'm not sure why we still have Henry on the screen. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I live in downtown Minneapolis and uh, my latest book uh, was co-authored with Henry and Scott Love uh, titled Rainmaker Confidential, but I'm excited to share with you that our uh, current book that will be released uh, shortly in 2022 is co-authored with David Goldman and Henry DeVries titled Bringing in the Business ideal for professional service firms and professionals who, who don't want to 
sound like a salesperson, but like the trusted advisor and trusted resource that they've always wanted to be. And with that, uh, let's bring on Dan Janelle. Dan, will you just a uh, short introduction and share uh, your latest book project? Sure, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm Dan Janelle. I've written more than a dozen books that have been translated into six languages. My latest book is called Write Your Book in a Flash. I work as a ghostwriter, developmental editor, and book coach. My latest uh, book is uh, I'm writing a, a memoir and a leadership inspirational book with a general who is in charge of guarding Saddam Hussein. So that's pretty exciting. And I have some other books uh, coming out as well with uh, other people that I have mentored, which is really exciting and Fulfilling, quite fulfilling. So that's great. And I want to, want to have a shout out to Henry and Mark for writing a really, really terrific book. They sent me a free copy as a PDF, but I actually liked it so much, I bought it. Uh, and I have a res review on Amazon. And also shout outs to Mark, because Mark was my business coach for many years. And if it weren't for Mark, I wouldn't be in business today because he literally saved my business through a negotiation strategy that brought both sides together. And without his ideas and brilliance, uh, we never would have come to that conclusion. So thank you very much, Mark. Uh, Dan, well, it's good to see you. I've been looking forward to this and haven't had a chance to connect for a while. So thank you for agreeing to come on to our show. And I just want to acknowledge you for the good work that you've been called and compelled to do over the course of time. Um, you have a, a varied uh, background with a, a deep well of both uh, expertise and experiences. Would you take a couple of minutes and just where did you come from? How did you step into this space? Let's let's hear a little bit of what of what I don't want to put you on the spot, but give us a bit of what we refer to as your defining story. How did you get to where you are today? Sure, great question. You know, my background was a newspaper reporter and editor, business newspaper editor, and then I went to the dark side, which is affectionately known as publicity. And I worked for a PR firm for a number of years dealing with companies like K-Pro and Commodore, which were synonymous with the words computer back then. And I also worked with a company called America Online and brought them public. So I was an early person to the internet and I would go to computer shows, publisher shows, and I'd do it be on a panel or I'd do a speech and people would come up to me afterwards and they'd say, hey, can you do RPR? And I'd say, sure, when do we get started? And they would say, well, why don't you send us a proposal first? And I thought to myself, okay, great, I'll write a proposal because I'll come up with great ideas and I'll spend 20, 30, 40 hours doing research and thinking and scouting out my competitors and thinking of great ways to really stand out from the crowd. And, you know, I don't know if any of you listening have felt the same way. You know, we have advanced degrees, we have ter terrific testimonials, we've done wonderful things, and yet our prospects treat us like commodities. And that's what happens. That's why they asked for a proposal because they didn't see any difference between us because we all had done great things. So I'd send the proposal in and I'd wait and wait and wait. And they never get back to you. It was just like so defeating. So the next time I went to a software publishers meeting, I thought, how can I stand out from the crowd? And I said, well, if I write a book, if you write a book, you're, you're an authority. You're, you're, people treat you with respect. You have instant credibility and none of my competitors had a book. So I went to the next software publishers convention and I did my breakout session. And afterwards people came up to me and they said, hey, can you do RPR? And I said, oh, do you want a proposal? And they said, 
no, you wrote the book. We know you know your stuff. When can you get started? And that literally changed my life because I self-published that first book. It was called How to Publicize High-Tech Products and Services. And that led to a real contract with a real publisher, Wiley, to write one of the first books about marketing on the internet, the online marketing handbook, uh, which earned out and was republished and updated three times. That book led to me speaking at Berkeley and Stanford. I taught the first internet marketing classes at Berkeley and Stanford. It led to speaking engagements around the world, literally from Beijing to Budapest, all across the United States and Canada. Can you imagine being picked up at the airport in Beijing with a driver who picked me and my wife up and they take us to the Great Wall of China and to the Winter Palace and you know the, the Forbidden City, You know all these places we see in movies, Tiananmen Square, and then I did my speech. So writing a book opened up an entire world to me, but that's not the whole point of the story. I got an email a couple of years ago from a gentleman in India, and he said, I bought your book back in 1994. And because of the principles you told and the stories you told and the strategy you told, I decided to start my own online business. And because of that, my wife didn't have to work anymore. I made so much money that my kids went to college and they're completely debt free. And I owe that all because I read your book. And I have to tell you, that book cost me a month's salary. So your book can literally open up the world to you and do a world of good and touch people that you never could have imagined. So that's why you need to write a book. Henry, I think we need to make Dan our spokesperson. Uh, we've, we've, we've got a live walking, talking billboard uh, on the importance of, of, of truly writing the right book. You know, I, one of the things that uh, one of my, uh, I guess, poor jokes uh, is that when back when Al Gore invented the Internet, but it sounds like uh, you might have been pals with him because you were one of the pioneers. Um, uh, back when the internet first came, you know, to be and, and marketing on the internet and using publicity on the internet. Can you just talk about some of those early days? I mean, America Online, um, you know, the only thing I really remember about AOL was the discs we got, you know, in every mailing and, and they must have spent millions of dollars on these discs. And then there was CompuServe. Uh, and um, Earthlink or something like that. But, but give us a little bit of an insight into those early days of the internet. Uh, sure, it's a great question. Uh, I was actually a, a system operator on uh, CompuServe. I was one of the uh, leaders of the public relations and marketing special interest group. My code number is 7604,1046. I still remember it. It's, it's, it's great because CompuServe, back in those days, they knew who you were. So you were accountable unlike the internet where you can be and totally anonymous and have crazy screen names and say anything and get away with it because there's no accountability. CompuServe is just the opposite. And AOL was a median point in that as well because they said, you know, on CompuServe, if, uh, if, if Dan has a, uh, an account and he goes to a professional forum, that's really cool. But what about his daughter? If his daughter goes to a teenage girls forum and comes up as Dan with that name, that doesn't sound right. How can we do that? How can we have the family in there? So AOL said you can have five screen names for everyone in your family. Well, that unfortunately led to a Pandora's box of problems because then people could 
imitate one another. So you could have a 50-year-old person go into a 14-year-old girl's chat room and, you know, God knows what would happen from there. And it has happened. And that's unfortunate. And I also wrote one of the first books about all the horrible things that could happen on the internet. It was called Risky Business. And that book came out in 1999. And that was translated into German, as a matter of fact. So uh, I, I actually predicted a number of the horrible things that the internet has come to pass, which is unfortunate. But uh, when, you know, when I wrote the first book about marketing on the internet, uh, I gave a speech of, uh, to the National Speakers Association of Northern California, and a woman came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, that was a wonderful presentation. I said, thank you very much. And she said, I just have one question. I said, oh, ask me as many questions as you like. I'm happy to answer any questions for you. She said, well, I only have one question. I said, what is it? She said, do I have to read all of it? This was like 400 pages. It was marketing. It was email marketing. It was advertising. It was chat rooms, it was bulletin boards, it was the whole thing, and it was too much. And there was another guy at that seminar who was speaking about internet marketing, and he sold a package with two cassettes, remember cassettes, and a piece of paper that was folded over and stapled, you know, maybe four or five pages, like sort of like an IKEA instruction manual. And he outsold me like a zillion to one. Why? because people want something simple. And I think that speaks to where we are today in terms of books. People do not want to read a three or 400 page book anymore. They want to read 20 to 25,000 words. They want to read a 100 to 125 pages. I say in my speeches that uh, people want to read a book, start reading a book when they get on a plane in New York and finish it by the time they land in Los Angeles. And someone interrupted me during a Zoom presentation one time. He said, no, you're wrong. I said, really? He said, yeah, they want to finish the book by the time they fly over Chicago. And it is so true. So think about a book that will solve your reader's problems. That's the, why they want to read the book. So write a book where people get to know, like, and trust you when you share your case studies of how you've led people from mess to success. And then you'll have a winner of a book that will get you business forever. Mm. Um, Dan, uh, amazing. A lot of things to unpack there. Um, you know, I often encourage people that you need a coach, you need a mentor, you need a friend, you need a confidant. Um, when you look back uh, in, in your earlier days in this field, who did you admire or look up to and why? Wow, uh, I'm looking at them. <laughs> You probably didn't expect that for an answer. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> no, Mark, as I said at the outset in the introduction, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be in business today. I had a sweetheart contract with my PR lead service. Uh, my provider gave me a very, very good deal for the first couple of years because, frankly, they didn't think it would work. So they really sweetened the pot for me. And after two years, they came back and said, OK, instead of uh, this kind of a split, we want that kind of a split, which was I couldn't make any money with that kind of a split that they were proposing. And I said, well, OK, well, I realize this is bargaining. You know, these are people from New York. They're New York lawyers. They're going to like ask for everything and they're going to come down with split in the middle. So I thought that was the game they were playing. And in fact, when I came back and said, okay, why don't we, we do this, which is a little bit sweeter on both of our, on my side, and I figured they'd just split in the middle, they came back and went even further in their own direction, which I, I would be losing money at that point. And you were my business coach at that time. And you said, well, why don't we try and do another strategy that you had thought of? And they went for it. And when we had to renegotiate again, we used that same kind of strategy and changed the numbers a little bit, but 
they went for it again. And I can't tell you how lucrative that contract has been over the last 20 years. It has helped me help more than 4,000 speakers, coaches, consultants, small business people and professionals get publicity so they could help make the world a better place. So it's all, all due to you, Mark. Well, that, that's very kind of, of you. And I certainly was not expecting that. Um, um, fourth, I mean, I know that you have spoken all over the world. Your books have influenced the, the masses. And you just mentioned uh, uh, a number, and it's 4,000. And um, I, I want to make sure I get, this, I, I get this right, because I know about your service, PR Leads. Was it 4,000 subscribers over the course of time for PR Leads? Roughly speaking, yeah, it could be 5,000. I gave up counting a long time ago, but it was a lot of people. It's a lot of people. When, when you think about people who are starting out, maybe they've written their first book, you know, they're so focused on getting that book across the finish line. And Henry likes to remind people, book in hand is not the finish line, it's the starting line. But when you, when you think about your first your first time, first book author, um, that avatar out there. Um, what is a common mistake that he or she makes out in the world of gaining publicity for their book? Sure. Well, they think that um, if you build it, they will come. Mm. And this this is not the field of dreams. You know, they have the hope strategy. They hope that someone goes to Barnes and Noble. They hope that someone stumbles across their book with the spine out among 17,000 other books with the spine out. They hope that someone picks it up and likes the cover of the book. They hope that someone looks at the table of contents and sees that chapter four is something that they, that they are interested in. They hope that people buy the book. They hope that people realize that, they, that you are a consultant or a coach or a service provider or a professional who can actually help solve that problem. Because a lot of times, readers don't know that you can actually solve that problem. They think you're a writer and you just write. They don't know unless you tell them that you can speak, I coach. So when I work with my clients, I use a trick from Patricia Fripp, our, our great friend from the National Speakers Association. She peppers her stories by saying, when I speak at large association conferences, I am frequently asked this question. That plants the idea in their mind that you speak at large industry conferences. Or when I consult with companies on site, they ask me, now they know that you speak. So we pepper the stories like that. So that helps with the marketing. So everyone has this hope strategy, hope, hope, hope they call. Well, instead, I think that people need a lot, need to be a lot more directive. And this isn't necessarily PR, we'll talk about PR in a second, but I think people should actually be proactive. They should read the newspapers. And when I say newspapers, I mean blogs, I mean LinkedIn and whatever, and Wall Street Journal and trade publications and see who has a problem. And then send your book to that person and say, hey, I saw in the Wall Street Journal that you have a problem with employee retention. Chapter four of my book talks about employee retention or employee engagement or customer loyalty or how to get the best price for your real estate or how to on and on and on. Send them the book, send them a note, tell them you'll call them. And chances are they will want to talk to you because you can solve their problems. And you have a book, the credibility of a book behind you to say that he knows what he's talking about. That's the best way to, to get money from your book. And I think a lot of people miss that step. They think the world's just gonna be the door to their path, not happening. Sure. 
Um, I think we should uh, switch out the hope strategy with the breadcrumb strategy, um, because because that's what you're talking about is leaving clues and breadcrumbs um, throughout the book or in different parts of the book that that put a little pin light on what uh, what you specifically want to do more of with the types of audiences or clients or corporations. You've said something several times, and I want to. Uh, also want to uh, 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 put a little light on it. You've used the word problem and the problems you solve. And there's always this great debate between satisfying needs and solving problems and providing outcomes. And, and all three are, are good things to focus on. Um, but, but just in your sharing today, it sounds as if you tend to prefer solving problems and being, you know, positioning yourself as a problem solver. Would that be true? Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I do speeches and podcasts and the like, I really go heavy into that. Uh, to be honest, I hadn't thought about the wants and the needs that you brought up. Uh, I'll give that some thought as well. But I think the only reason that people read a book like this is to solve their problems or to be inspired. So there's another branch of book writing as well there. Uh, of course, I don't mean to diminish that. It's very important for people to be inspired and motivated. But the kinds of books that I write particularly are the ones that are problem solving. So people can say, aha, I need to hire him or I need to hire her because she's been there. She knows that she's taken them from mess to success. So let's hire her. And that's that's where I see that because people have such limited attention spans today uh, that they so uh, so that's 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 my answer. And I'll stick sure. to it. <laughs> well, and, and I think you should. Um, I think I've been somewhat late to the game uh, on the idea of solving problems. I, I've spent the better part of my career um, helping people with outcomes or their dreams or very specific results. And I think you and, and uh, Henry, just in the last couple of years have really uh, helped me understand. Because uh, when I would hear problems, I'd think, well, I don't really solve anybody's problems. I help them get certain results. Um, but the opposite of the results are the problems. I was just coming at it from a different perspective. And our mutual friend, Jill Lublin, um, has often shared that part of the secret to getting a reporter's ear is to lead with the problem. Um, that you can help solve the problem of X by blank. And I started writing posts uh, to that uh, effect on LinkedIn. Um, and on Facebook. And I found that the moment I went to solving a specific problem, my comments grew. And, and I can trace uh, registrations mm. to our events to problem solving posts versus results oriented posts. And so I think you're spot on. I, I, I just wanna, I guess, um, put a laser uh, on your brilliance. Um, next, next question. We talked about that first time author. Um, I often say to people, what's your next book? Uh, and sometimes they look at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> like, man, this was, this was so painful. Why in the world would I wanna write a second book? And no great thought leader 
no great key opinion um, leader, um, no great purveyor of wisdom ever stopped after one book. Seth Godin didn't stop after he wrote one book and you've got 14 uh, or so books. Um, what, what mistake does the veteran author, uh, someone like me who's written four, five, six books, what's a mistake that we tend to make in the publishing of our book, uh, in the search for getting the word out? That's a great question. Let me think about that as I spout out the answer to a question you didn't ask, which was another mistake that beginning authors make, which I hear all the time when I do initial consultations or calls with people. And invariably, they will either say, I don't know what to write about, or I have three books and a screenplay inside of me. And it's, it's hard to keep those people focused because they really don't have three books in a screenplay. Uh, I remember, in fact, I remember my friend Mark Levy was saying when he was consulting with a, a would-be author, he said, you don't have a 300-page book, you have a 30-page book told 10 times. It's <laughs> the same story over and over and over again. So uh, those are some things that beginners make in terms of like not getting focused. Uh, I think more experienced authors the ones who are really good, they, they follow the trends. They are thought leaders. Someone like say a Jill Conrath, uh, she's like the Wayne Gretzky of sales. She doesn't look where the puck was. She sees where the puck is going. Brilliant, brilliant person. Another one of my former clients, Rita McGrath, she's actually a professor at the Columbia uh, School of Business, Columbia University. Just brilliant, absolutely a brilliant, brilliant thinker. She's thinking about things that I haven't even thought about. Um, in terms of business and marketing and pricing and strategy and corporates, just, just great stuff. So I think if you're at the top of your game, you know where the puck is going and just uh, be the first person there. And don't be afraid to show your brilliance. Don't be afraid to, to, to go out on a limb and say, I think this is happening, even though everyone else says that it would never happen or never happen that way. So uh, don't be afraid to, to, to plant a flag. What what, av what av advice would you give to somebody who's got that book inside of them and they're just stuck? Maybe they're maybe they're fifty percent of of the their way into their manuscript and it's for some reason it gets stuck, or they get stalled out or stagnant. What what would you uh, advise sure. for that author? Great great question. Two answers. Number one, get a book coach or a developmental editor. Frankly, I don't know where one stops and the other one begins. So I offer both, I offer both services because uh, I just think that they are really one, one, one job. Uh, because you need that coach to help you fine tune yourself. You know, with Seth Godin wrote the book, The Dip, he said, everyone starts off, you know, really, really high, whether you're playing the guitar or practicing or going to college, become a, a doctor. And then you have your first class in organic chemistry. And it's like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Or you're playing the same chords on the guitar. It's like, I'm just stagnant. I'm not getting any better. My fingers hurt. That's where you need a coach to come along and help you out of that depression, that, that dip uh, that Seth Godin talks about. That happens to everyone. So a book coach can is trained uh, like a coach to help you with those things. And they see the little things that could be adjusted better. I just came back from playing pickleball and I have a coach and he said, hey, if you hold the paddle this way instead of that way, you'll have a lot more flexibility with your wrist. You can hit more forehand shots. I said, you're right. I didn't even realize it. So little micro adjustments like that can make a big, big change. So that's number one. 
get a coach to help you through the process so you don't feel like you're doing it alone. There's no reason why anyone should ever write a book alone. In fact, at one of your uh, friends and family events, Ken Blanchard was speaking, and he said that he wrote 73 books with a co-author. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, well, you're a brilliant guy. Why would you write 73 books with a co-author? You could write them by yourself. And he said, and I quoted him in my book, he said, I learned so much when I work with other people. And I thought that's very humbling. I mean, the guy sold more books than I'll ever <laughs> sell in my lifetime. And uh, he's very, very humble. So I think a coach can really be, be good for that. You don't have to write the book by yourself. The other reason why I think people stop is they have the imposter syndrome. You know, they say, you know, Professor Smith at Harvard knows so much more about this than I do. Who am I to write this book? Well, Professor Smith at Harvard doesn't need the publicity, doesn't need the exposure. He's already at Harvard. He doesn't need reporters to call him. You do. Uh, he doesn't need another book. You do. And frankly, you know more than he does because he knows the whole big picture. You're the expert in your micro niche uh, or niche. Uh, you, you know, you know, you know about sales. Well, there's corporate sales, there's airplane sales, there's selling windmills, uh, they're selling biodiversity products, they're selling in grocery stores, they're selling in gift stores, they're selling online. You may know a lot more about any of those things than anyone else around because that's what you specialize in. So write this down. I am your name. I am an expert in blank. And I am writing a book called, and the title of your book, and just put that in 48 point type above your computer every day, put it in your bathroom, whatever, and that will reinforce you to say that, yeah, I have something to say, and the world needs to hear that. I am an expert in business development, and my next book is Bringing in the Business cool. with Henry and, uh, and David Goldman. I've got a couple of personal questions for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, by the by the way, and, and you were so kind, I, I think we were in a coaching relationship for 10 plus years. Oh, yeah. yeah and, well, that was great. And, you know, um, I, I've, I've said this about you, Dan, that you, over a 10-year period, you were one of the most coachable uh, clients that I ever had. And you were uh, arguably the most grateful client um, that I ever had. In fact, I don't ever remember a, a coaching conversation uh, that we had over the course of 10 years when you did not open up a conversation with, you know, Mark, I'm just so grateful. Um, you, have a, you have a grateful spirit and a grateful heart. And I always look forward to uh, our conversations and uh, I look forward to connecting you again. But I've got a couple of personal questions. Oh, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. And because of you, this is my view. <laughs> panoramic whitewater action shots because you can see nice. swimmers and swimmers so this is real this isn't from from stock photo guys this is ah, yeah <laughs> nice i well i recognize it for sure um um you've been you didn't get off the turnip truck here yesterday um when you look back um can you share one specific marketing idea that you tried and it ended up working better than you thought it would. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Uh, I thought this would be a tough question. Uh, I thought you asked about my, my many marketing failures of which uh, I've forgotten most of them, uh, but I seem to be creating new marketing failures periodically. <laughs> yeah, PR leads. Um, 
with my publicity service. Uh, we put experts together with reporters. We were the first ones to do this. It has since been imitated by numerous other companies around the world at all different price points and such. Um, and it was much better than I ever would have thought. In fact, I, was, I started it back in 1999, uh, or rather 2000. And I was a very successful speaker, uh, as, I, as, as I mentioned, and I was making good money as a speaker. And in all of my speeches, I would be talking about how to get publicity and marketing. And I would talk about this service called ProfNet, which is the PR lead service, which is owned by another company, and I resold their stuff. And I noticed that everyone in my audience, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they were home-based businesses, they were small companies, they couldn't afford the corporate pricing that ProfNet had. So I, I went to them and said, hey, how about if I resell this, we'll give it a new name and uh, I'll go after this market. And they said, sure, we're going after corporate, we're going after uh, universities, we have no way of going after small businesses, why don't you go after that and we'll see how it works. So we dickered around for a contract for months and months. And then one day I was out on my bicycle in Minnesota, beautiful Saturday morning in August, one of those rare days when there wasn't any humidity. And I was out on a bicycle and thinking, man, this is really great. The air is great. The hair is going through, the air is, the air is going through my, my hair, the breeze. Is, it doesn't get any better than this. And, I, and, and when I said that, I hit something in the road and it threw me off my bike not into the roadway, but onto a grassy knoll. And I rolled down and the bike was on top of me. And turns out I broke my wrist and I broke my elbow. And the first responder was there within 30 seconds. It was pretty amazing. Well, my arm was, you know, in a cast. I was going to have three surgeries to reset my wrist. And suddenly I said, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I can't get dressed. I can't put on a belt. I can't tie a tie. Uh, it's going to be hard to travel. How am I going to make money? And I just gotten the contract from ProfNet to resell their services PR leads. So I had this contract in my back pocket and I said, okay, um, if I get five of my friends from NSA to join, then I can pay the mortgage this month. So I've sold five the first month and 10 the second month and 15 the third month. And a weird thing happened right after that, 9-11. And suddenly no one was speaking, no one was traveling and all the contracts were being canceled. And I suddenly realized I was in the PR leads business. And by February of the next year, I was doing gangbusters. And that's when I hired you. And we, re we came up with all sorts of great marketing ideas. But I had no idea that this was going to be a big thing. Uh, I thought it was just going to be a supplement that I would be able to talk about at my speeches and make a few sales there. But it turned into literally uh, six, seven, eight, nine hundred clients at its peak before competition came along. So that was the good story. The bad part about that is that if I realized that there's competition coming along, I should have branched out and offered other kinds of services like the press release service, which I do now, but I should have offered it several years before I did because I was just soft and cushy and comfortable and making money while I slept. So that was a marketing lesson. Um, so I made more money than I thought I would have, and it came crashing down faster than I thought it would have. So it's sort of like, you know, the, the Bible story, you know, Joseph and the, the seven years of feast and seven years of famine. Fortunately, I saved a lot of money during those feast years. Look at my picture. Did I show you my picture? Yeah, that's my picture. That's what happens when you save. You, you did. And, and, and I don't know if you remember this or if it come, it'll certainly will come to mind um, when I share this, but um, you were so kind one year, I don't know if, I don't remember if it was 2005 or 2006, 
but you bought, you ordered 800 copies of my little book, Growing Your Business, and sent them to your database of yeah. subscribers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was a small sale for you, wasn't it? Well, well, I've, I've been fortunate a box with a, every, every other day. Yeah, with <laughs> with quantity orders, but uh, um, so I thank I thank you for that. Um, when when you look back to when you started out as a as a younger professional, an emerging professional, um, if you could go back to that to that Dan and give him knowing what you know now and you could give him a piece of advice, what would your advice be to your 25-year-old self or your 24-year-old self when, when you were starting your journey? Networking. Networking. Without a doubt, networking. I'm an introvert. So I would, if I go to a conference, I'm the guy standing in the corner drinking coffee and eating too many donuts. Mm -hmm. I talk to my friends, maybe they introduce me to someone else, and I slowly grew my network one by one, you know, I grew it arithmetically instead of geometrically. Mm. Uh, I, I, I was in addition as opposed to multiplication. In these last year or so, thanks to Zoom, I've met more people the last year and a half, thanks to Zoom and these little breakout sessions, than I ever would have going to regular seminars. It's really been great for someone like me, an introvert, because it puts me in a room with seven other people of all, frankly, all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different races, all different sexes. You know, if you're at a conference, it's awfully hard to break into different kinds of groups with different kinds of people. Cause like I say, you can't hang out with the 20 year olds cause they think you're too old. You can't go up to a group of women because that just, it just isn't done uh, and on and on. Well, in these little breakout rooms, you're meeting all of those people that you never would have met in real life. And they're wonderful people. We learn from each other and it, it's really great. So I, again, networking uh you can use a, you can accomplish a lot more with the help of other people than you can ever do alone and being a loner and being you know uh, an introvert well, i'm not crazy off the introversion scale i'm you know sort of moderate you know situational introversion is what i call it um so i think if i had a bigger network and started earlier i would be a lot further along the game thank you dan and um um, and I think if I remember right, your uh, website is prleads.com for that part of your uh, enterprise. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, for the, we do press release writing and distribution. We also have media lists for sale. So you can find all of that under one umbrella site called prleads2profits.com. And of course, we're happy to talk to anyone and see if they're a good fit for our service and if they are wonderful and if they aren't then you know no harm done it's always sure. cool would you if you have it handy or um you could just talk again for 30 seconds about your book how to write your book in a flash did i get the title right sure uh write your book in a flash is my way of teaching people how to write their books and uh, their business getting books so they position themselves as the thought leader who takes people from mess to success by showing People their problems. So we have an out. I'll show you my outline: how to write your book quickly, how to organize yourself, how to organize your day, how to organize your workflow, so you never stare at a blank page, you never have writer's block. Also, how to the, the, the small things: how to get testimonials, how to write a back cover copy for your book, 
uh, lots of little publishing ins and outs, how to lay out your book so it's more attractive to readers today. Lots of great pieces of information. It sold really well over the years, has lots of reviews on Amazon. And of course, I'm happy to chat with anyone who would like to about how to write their book in a flash. I have a podcast called Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle. I have a YouTube channel called Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle. I learned an important marketing lesson from Henry DeVries, which is if you have the name of a book, that's the name of your website. That's the name of your podcast. That's the name of your YouTube channel. That's the name of everything. So all you have to remember is write your book in a flash and you'll find me one way or another. Dan, thank you so much. What an honor for me to have an opportunity to visit with you and and have you on our show. Um, everyone, you heard it here on the Marketing with a Book, not Marketing a Book, Marketing with a Book podcast. Our guest today, uh, Dan Janelle, uh, the author of his most recent book, Write Your Book in a Flash. Order it today and schedule a time to chat with Dan for a few minutes to find out if it might be uh, a good fit for you, no matter where you are uh, on your journey, whether you're uh, on the road to your first book or your second or your 10th book, there's more to learn from the great Dan Janelle. Thank you so much, Dan, uh, for being with us today. And thank you for joining us for our pod, uh, podcast, Marketing with a Book. And that's a wrap.